MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to The Daily Beans for Wednesday, April 23rd, 2020. Today, the CDC director warns of a second wave of coronavirus, an insane interview between the mayor of Las Vegas and Anderson Cooper, why Kemp wants to open certain businesses up in Georgia, how different rates of testing yield different results, autopsies find the first U.S. deaths occurred early February, a real-time whistleblower on hydroxychloroquine comes forward, and a bunch of good news. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. It is AG. I am flying solo in the A block today. Actually, in the intro today, the A block is going to be Jordan. Jordan is going to be here to talk to you about that insane interview in case you didn't catch it. And even if you did, you know what I'm talking about with Goodman, the mayor of Las Vegas and Anderson Cooper. It was absolutely astounding. I wanted to do a piece on it. And and so Jordan is going to be bringing that to you in the A block. Um, we're going to have a little bit later in the show, uh, our friend Natasha Bertrand from Politico will be joining us to discuss um, Senator Ron Wyden's footnotes in not footnotes, but like additional comments in the Senate Intel Committee report that was released earlier in the week. We we've already talked to uh, David Priest, former CIA and author about that. And we've spoken to Frank Fagluzzi, former assistant director of the FBI about uh, the body of, of, the, of what was in the report. And uh, as I was finishing parsing it um, last night, I noticed these uh, widened comments at the end. And uh, I wanted to bring in an expert, a national security expert, to talk about that. So Natasha will be with us. She's absolutely an outstanding person. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you should. Uh, her and Kyle Cheney and Betsy Woodruff-Swan. Politico is an excellent uh, news organization, news outlet. Um, but as I said, oh, and this Friday, join us for our cocktail meet and greet. If you're a patron, uh, we're going to have that at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, it's basically on crowdsource if you if you have that app. Uh, and the hosts, we get up and we just answer questions like fun questions. And we have cocktails and we have themes and we've had a pajama jammy jam and we've had a get dressed up theme. And uh, this week's theme is music. However you want to interpret that, it's music. So uh you know, keyboard necktie, perhaps, or, uh, you know, bring an instrument, whatever you want to do. Anyway, there are lots of fun. Um, we've had hundreds of people join us on these uh, every week. And it's, it's, I, it's one of my favorite things. I look forward to it every week. So join us for that. But as I said, it is time right now for Jordan to be covering that interview between the mayor of Las Vegas and Anderson Cooper. So it's time for Hot Notes. Hot Notes. Hello, welcome to Jordan's Corn Beans. Uh, I will be doing the B Block today, covering an interview that some of you may have already seen going around the internet, some have not. But now, you will know that Anderson Cooper completely demolished Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman on national television the other day. It's my hometown, Las Vegas. A bit of a bummer to see the mayor being such a fucking asshole. Uh, and she gave no fucks and didn't even try to not sound like an asshole. In fact, it sounded like the opposite. If you were trying to be an asshole, that's what it would look like. Carolyn Goodman, the asshole, emerging from an otherwise smooth butt that is Las Vegas. 
she is the whole. And it is sad, uh, because, jokes aside, obviously, um, it's, yeah, it's the worst. It, it was such a crazy interview. She goes, she goes on, uh, what, for what I imagine was to try, you know, to explain herself further, she just got caught up in saying the wrong thing over and over and over again, and she just doubles down on this interview with Anderson Cooper, and basically what had happened was she has, she wants to open up Las Vegas. She's like, get everybody back to work, we need to reopen, you know, the economy is suffering, and my people can't take it, and we need to open back up. That's a sentiment that I think everybody can at least understand, right? They can understand mayors and people of cities feeling this way. Obviously, to feel that way in the absence of any regard for what scientists are telling you is another thing, and that is what she really displayed in this interview, and that's why it's particularly disappointing. But she wants to increase, she wants to, uh, like I said, reopen Las Vegas, but she has zero plans to increase testing and contact, contact tracing in the city, which is what medical professionals and scientists everywhere are saying is going to be necessary for us to start opening places up again. So Cooper asks her, basically, about how she plans on opening up the city with no plans. And uh, this, is, this is the exchange that they had. Let's take a listen. Well, first of all, as someone who's pretty sure she possibly had it in January, I have already been into the hospital to say, right. take, my, take my plasma. Well, and I'm not I talking about you. I'm talking about what are you, what are you doing as mayor and to improve contact tracing? Upon, I'm calling upon everyone to go ahead, if they're positive, to go ahead and see if they can help being part of the preventive or the treatment pool that will have this plasma available. What Are you I doing anything doing, on testing and contact tracing? Because in order to open businesses, every I, scientist I says that labs. is essential. I don't have that. Well, no, that's for our scientists. And the whole thing is, is fact. Well, Truth but you're, validated right, fact, you're, data. Right, fact, you're calling for businesses to reopen Every yes. scientist uh, and person, you know, who looks at this says what we really need on to do that is more testing wait, wait, and wait. more contact every, tracing. That, that No, that can't work. We're not getting the truth. And I know over the years, going back to 19, so wait, the 1950s with the atomic bomb, don't worry about it when we're testing in Nevada. You'll all be fine. Take a shower. The reality the, is... Southern, you're the one saying the you'll all be fine. What, no, what, what, what we're I saying said, is no, no, testing no, 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 and no. contact. You're putting okay. words in my mouth. I said, open up Las Vegas. Let us get started right. and go back what to is work. May we what, have as mayor, what are you doing to encourage? even feed their families or take yeah. care of their families. I get, I get the pain that's out there, and it's real, and I'm not minimizing yes, that at it all. Is. I'm, I'm just asking you as mayor, what are you doing to improve testing, make it more accessible, and improve contact tracing because every scientist who you say you listen to will tell you that's what you need in order to get online as fast as possible. What are you doing? Every single email that comes in with offers to give us the kits and get everything here, I send it up to the people in the hospitals for them to filter through to find out if these test kits and everything that's being offered and provided You, you for said them. in another that's interview that job. you talked to Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. Yes, if you he's actually a good talk friend. to Okay, if you talk to Mayor Garcetti, he's doing everything he can to improve testing in Los Angeles. I think that's what are you wonderful doing? and I You said it's I, not your that, job. 
wait, no, it is not part of our job. That's part of our health department, part of our hospital jobs, our labs. Those are the ones who are the experienced. So you're not rolling up your sleeves, helping your health department to try to figure I, out. Um, my days to... are so full. I am everywhere in the city trying to hold right. the hands of families and everyone else that to get them back to work so they can pay for the food for their children and keep a roof over their right. head. And we are 2.3 million and we have so many, probably close to 900,000 that are right. out of work because this I... wonderful city's been shut down. So that's that's insane. All of that is so insane to hear. It's like I, I get again, I get that you want to open up. Clearly, a lot of people can understand that. But she has no plan at all and said that it's not even her job to have a plan. She says blatantly, it is not my job to work for there to be progress in the realm of getting vaccines done and testing done and contact tracing done. She just blatantly says, that's not my job and that's not my problem and everybody else can deal with it. My job, and I'm very busy by the way, she says, I'm very busy, that's why I can't look over those other things, but my job is just to reopen the city and make sure that everybody's okay. Uh, in the economic sense, but it's a news flash. Everybody is not going to be okay without any sort of medical precautions moving forward. Hearing her talk like this is very scary and baffling. It's baffling to hear a mayor talk like this. Then she offered up the city of Las Vegas as a control group. She uses those words. She calls her people a control group in the experiment of seeing how this virus works when they start bringing people back from quarantine so she's literally offering up her people as a control group it is such a scary irresponsibly worded thing to say i don't even care what she was trying to say she doubled down on saying things in the shittiest way just to be antagonistic because she felt like anderson wasn't being fair to her or anybody that's interviewing her right now really because she just keeps saying dumb shit but to call her people a control group and then to not own up to it when she gets called out on it is incredibly frustrating to hear. Uh, so I'm going to play it for you. Let's listen to that clip. As mayor, are you not concerned when you see just that yes, restaurant graphic, how day. air condition spreads this and other people become yes, infected? Yes, from Legionnaire's disease. That's just what I said. And so, of course, we know that. We tried to work on the sensitivities of people to be responsible as to spreading any but, kind of germ, whether it's the but flu. But don't you think that it's, it's worked in, Nevada, in Las Vegas, social distancing? Don't you think it's worked? Because, I mean, 163 deaths, that, that is, compared to some other states, that's, that's low for those families. We're, we're it 2. is 3, all that matters. We're 2.3 million people mm. in southern Nevada, and we've had 150 right. deaths. We 163, I believe, is the latest number, actually. Wrong. But that's for Nevada. That's Nevada. This is right. down here, 150. Okay. So you've had almost all million. the deaths, by the way, in Nevada, you've had in Las Vegas. So you've had 150 deaths Correct. out of 163 we're deaths. 200, we're 2.3 right. million Isn't people Isn't that because here, of social distancing that you would have had far state. more without it? <laughs> Do you not we're believe 2. that? We're 2.3 million here. There are 2. Point, there are 3 million, 2 up 
uh, overall in the state. The numbers may be off, but I okay. know we're well over two million. Do you not believe we social are, distancing has helped keep share. people alive? We are, we're at the lion's share of the population and the income and the jobs. When you have okay, 2.3 million and you have lost and every one of those 150, oh my gosh, it could be your own mother, your own grandmother, your grandfather, your brother, your sister, anybody, every one of those lives is a tragic loss. But when you count 150 versus 2.3 million, you have to say, okay. we have to open up. We have to right. go back. Our bus drivers, our But hasn't cleaners, it been because of social distancing that the numbers have been what they are? How do you know until we have a control group? We offer to be a control group. Anybody who knows anything about statistics knows that, for instance, you have a vaccine. You're offering you the, real the vaccine. citizens of Las Vegas to be a control group to see if your I theory on social distancing no, works no, no, or doesn't no, work. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Don't put words in my mouth. You just said, said we'll be a control offer, group. Excuse me. What I said was. I offered to be a control group, and I was told by our statistician, you can't do that because people from all parts of Southern Nevada come in to work in the city. And I said, oh, that's too bad because I know when you have a disease, you have a placebo that gets the water and the sugar, and then you get those that actually get the shot. We would love to be that placebo side so you have something to measure against. So all you, the data until You want to get the placebo. You don't want to get the actual... Well, no, the group who gets the placebo, by the way, usually gets the short end of the stick. Um, well, you don't know. How do you know when you're Mayor, in part of let that me just group? Say, you are. Mayor, <laughs> Mayor, if so that was their exchange. Uh, interviews about 13 minutes long. You can look it up on YouTube. The full one is there. Uh, Anderson, uh, or she, she ends again saying that testing is not her job at the very ending of the interview. And Anderson was like, well, why don't you talk to the L.A. mayor? Because he seems to have a plan for how he wants to reopen up the city and also have plans in place for this testing and for this contact tracing. And Anderson is like, you know, talk to him. He's your buddy. She's like, yes, he is my buddy. I know him very well. We, we go way back, you know. He's like, okay, good. We'll talk to him because somehow he can figure out a way to work on those issues that you're saying is not your job. You know, find out find out how he does it. You guys have the same job title, um, and and Anderson goes. Uh, <laughs> Anderson was like, "Well, I guess the L.A. mayor has more duties than you do." You know, like if he considers working on testing and working on contact tracing, if he considers that part of his job card, essentially, then Anderson, you know, he says, uh, well, apparently, you know, he has a longer job card than you do. And she goes, oh, yes, he definitely does. As if, I know she gets the point. She's just being annoying. She's just being really antagonistic because she's she has a very controversial opinion that she is just going full steam ahead with and she gives no fucks at all. And she's being incredibly defensive and devil's advocate and just really, really not... She's not doing herself any favors. Like, if you're going to take the position that you want to open up sooner, at least say you're going to try to work on more testing, right? Like, that's the least you could do. If your job is to be there for your people and you're saying that you need to reopen up everything immediately because everyone's suffering so much, maybe sending them out into the world saying it's not your job 
to cover any of the medical requirements necessary to make this as safe a transition back into any what any kind of normal we're ever going to see again. At least at least you could say you could at least say you're trying, you know? But you're sending your people that you say you're doing this for because you care about them out into the world, calling them a control group. It's so counterproductive her messaging. It's incredibly counterproductive. Realistically, I think Vegas just has an insane amount of hotel owners that are just very, or I should say, people invested in the hotel industry that I imagine are, like, constantly nagging her, and she's probably getting it from all sides. But I do also know that there are people involved in that industry that don't want to just haphazardly open up because they understand that that's not good either. But I I feel like the stuff she's saying is so nonsensical that it can't be what she just, in her heart, you know, wants to do. She's probably under an incredible amount of pressure from a bunch of rich people that don't really care how everything opens up again because they're most likely going to be fine. So they're willing to take that risk because the blood really won't be on their hands. And I think this is kind of how being the mayor of Las Vegas tends to go, you know? It's, I mean, it's a crazy fucking city. Um, But New York seems to be handling it well. LA is on their way to handling it well in terms of testing and how to come back from the struggles that we've had up until this point when it comes to contact tracing. And I just wish that she would at least not be a complete ass about how she's she's saying all this stuff. It's damaging. It's, you know, I know the, the mindset, I have a bunch of friends back in Vegas, the mindset there is just totally different than it is in California. In California right now, everybody is just super on the same page, at least from what I'm seeing in terms of lockdown. You know, if you go out and you're like, oh, I hung out with someone here, everyone's like, what? In Vegas, I have friends that are going and hanging out with other people just for funsies right now. So it's definitely a different vibe there. Uh, And I have to wonder if that's because the messaging might be coming from people like her that are saying this this crazy shit, you know, throwing out ideas like it's okay for everybody to just be a control group and getting back to this. Everybody wants to get back. Everybody, obviously. I'm not saying we can never get back again. You know, no one's saying that. No one's saying we need to be in quarantine for like 10 years straight. Everybody is just saying that is trying to be rational about this. Please just keep listening to the scientists. That's all. Is that so much to ask during this science-centric problem? Can we just do that? Can we at least try to do that? And her answer is no, it's not my job. So thank you, Anderson Cooper, for being on her ass about the dumb shit she was saying. I do think he kind of tends to be a little bit too antagonistic to the point where it's like, okay, you're clearly just trying to, you know, get get your jabs in, which sometimes you know I'm a fan of but I personally it would be nice to see maybe I don't you don't have to try to make her look like a dick she makes her look like herself make look make she makes herself look like an asshole all on her own but I do appreciate him following up on the absolutely ridiculous things that uh, she says so everyone if you're in Las Vegas let us know how you feel about that uh, and if you agree with my assessment of you all kind of having like a more lax, mindset when it comes to the social distancing thing that's kind of what it seems like i do know there's a bunch of people that are doing it very seriously as well Uh, i'm just going off of what i've heard but that's my hot note from the corn beans in my kitchen everybody have a great day it is earth day today so happy earth day everybody Uh, i hope you're celebrating it in as good of a way that you can and we'll see you tomorrow thanks bye after these messages we'll be right back
Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by TheZebra.com. In these crazy quarantine times, we're all trying to find ways to save a buck. And recently, I learned that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion, billion with a B, dollars. And we can't afford to waste money right now. But oftentimes, searching for a better, better deal can take hours. Typically, ends up in you talking to pushy salespeople, and then you get a barrage of unwanted spam calls and emails. But not anymore, thanks to TheZebra.com. TheZebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place you can compare quotes side by side from over 100 providers and choose the best one for you in 90 seconds or less. Plus, they will never, ever, ever, ever sell your information to the spammers so you don't get those annoying calls and emails. Just answer a few questions on a simple, fast form, and they will find the best rates for you and your coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra Kayak for auto insurance. The best part is it's completely free. You can save up to $670 a year for free using thezebra.com. And I know we could all use that extra cash right about now. So... Go and reassess the amount of miles you drive every year. It's time to do that. We've all, most of us have like stopped our driving and you can save on insurance. Might as well check out thezebra.com right now. See how much you can save on car and home insurance. So go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash daily beans. That's thezebra.com slash daily beans. Again, dot com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me today. There is some new polling out, uh, and I want to share these numbers with you. Um, From a morning consult poll, only 14% of Americans say we should stop social distancing to stimulate the economy, even if it means increasing the spread of the virus. Whereas 76% say Americans should continue to social distance for as long as necessary, even if it means economic damage. 76% of Americans, not Democrats, Americans, 70, you can't get 76% of America to agree on anything, but they agree on this. We should continue to social distance for as long as necessary. And a Quinnipiac poll says 72% of Florida voters say that Florida should not loosen social distancing rules. 72% of Florida says this. Uh, They should not loosen these rules by the end of April. 22% say they, they should. And 76% say that the state's economy should only reopen when public health officials deem it safe. I'm assuming that means as opposed to politicians, probably a wise choice. 76% of Florida voters. No, yeah, Florida voters. And a new Reuters, Ipsos poll, Reuters and Ipsos put these polls out. 72% of adults in the United States said people should stay at home until doctors and public health officials say it's safe. And that includes 88% of Democrats. Who are the 12%? That's weird. That seems low. 55% of Republicans say we should stay at home until doctors and public health officials tell us it's okay. And 70% of independents, big number right there, independent swing elections. So that is a big, big number, 77 in 10 independents. These are encouraging poll numbers in the face of governors like Ron DeSantis in Florida and Kemp in Georgia who are reopening businesses without even meeting the gating criteria for phase one reopening set forth by the Trump's by the Trump task force, the White House task force. And Kemp in Georgia appears to be opening businesses that require actual contact between the client and the provider, like the opposite of the businesses you would open first. And he's naming them. He's like, he's calling them out. Like body piercing shops, tattoo parlors, nail salons, hair salons, uh, massage studios. Uh, I'm surprised he's not, you know, opening up vomitoriums, orgy depots, uh, Inspiration Point where people make out, Hug City, come to Hug City, and, you know, and the store where you just lick everyone's face. 
But David Masterson posited something more sinister on Twitter. He says, this is about making sure people can't file unemployment. It isn't about saving lives. It's certainly not about the peak of the curve. It's not about reopening the economy. Uh, He says he thinks a lot of people are going to ignore the governor and stay home regardless. This isn't a decision, he says, being driven by epidemiology. If there's no state order calling for businesses to be closed, the people who are unemployed can no longer claim their unemployment is involuntary, even if it would be utter idiocy for them to return to work. A hairdresser or a massage therapist cannot maintain social distance, but they can certainly file for relief unless the law says they can work. So gyms, fitness centers, bowling alleys where y'all share shoes, mm, body art studios, barbers, cosmetologists, hair designers, nail care artists, estheticians, um, school their, uh, and their beauty schools and massage therapists, not banks, not software firms, not factories, not schools. And he says it's no coincidence that the businesses on this list are staffed by relatively poor people because that's who he wants off the unemployment rolls. And then he says after they die, well, they're mostly black and brown people or Asian people or poor people. And that's an acceptable political loss for a Republican governor. The purpose of this, he says, is not to open up these businesses. It's to get the workers there off the dole. Work and die or don't work. So um, that was a a Twitter thread uh, that I read and I retweeted it. And this is just an... It's a theory. You know, these are just beans. Uh, They're not my beans, but I wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to see what you all thought of that. Um, But that that guy's name is David Masterson. And you can find it uh, retweeted on uh, my Twitter feed at Mueller. She wrote. All right. And and oddly, Trump said today in the in the White House press briefing, I know I don't usually talk about him, but this made the news. He said he disagrees with Kemp on opening up based on a model that says Georgia and 11 other states shouldn't open until June 8th. It is April 22nd, 23rd, if you're listening uh, on Wednesday. Uh, June 8th, this model says. But Trump was very soft on this, he said. However, he didn't mention the June 8th date. And he said, "Eh, well, I disagree with what he's doing, but he's the governor. He can do what he wants. He can do what he needs to do. So the buck clearly doesn't stop with Teflon Dawn. And a doctor said today he was removed from a key federal agency in charge of developing a vaccine for coronavirus after pushing for rigorous testing of hydroxychloroquine. The doctor, his name is Rick Bright, was a career official and he was leading the administration's push for a vaccine, but says he was pushed out for trying to limit the use of hydroxychloroquine. Uh, We'll talk about this whistleblower a little more in detail uh, in a bit with Natasha Bertrand, but he has hired Christine Blase Ford's lawyers and he's he's. And his name's out there. He's not he's not threatened by the exposure from Bill Barr and, and his bully assholes. And in another story here, the head of the CDC, Dr. Redfield, said we're going to he told The Washington Post, we're going to have the flu epidemic and the coronavirus epidemic at the same time. That could be devastating. But he said today when asked about it at the press briefing that he 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 did say that he, he actually there's no but here. He, he confirmed that those were his remarks twice. And that uh, this spring, what we just went through, we had the benefit of having the flu season beat over. So we could we could use all of our flu systems to say this is coronavirus. But next fall and winter, we're going to have two viruses and we'll have to differentiate between the two. And he says the comments I made uh, are that that will make it more difficult. Not impossible, just difficult. 
And uh, what I was wanting to do is appeal to the public that they really can help by getting the flu vaccine so we can eliminate as much flu as possible. Uh, because we don't have a vaccine for coronavirus, but we do have a vaccine for flu. He, he did not mention or comment on his word devastating, though. And at that point, Trump butted in and said that the headline in The Washington Post was wrong, though. Um, and the headline said that it will be more devastating. And Redfield at, was asked that again. Did you mean that? Did you say that? And he, he again said, he, he, he confirms what he told The Washington Post, but he did not affirm or deny that he used the word devastating. But Trump insisted that he did not. And then when a reporter, a woman, by the way, asked Redfield, why did you retweet the article if the headline was inaccurate? At which point Redfield just left the podium and Trump pointed at the woman with his index finger, pointed at her and said, you weren't called. You weren't called. Just scolded her. And then Burks got up and said she wanted to address the word devastating. She said, we've, well, we've learned a lot. And we're building together in the strength of the American people and their ability to protect themselves. And we have the summer to prepare for the fall if COVID comes back. So we're preparing and making sure all the pieces are in place. And what Redfield was asking for was to follow the guidelines and get a flu shot. Trump then said, butted in from the sidelines and said, there's a good chance COVID won't come back in the fall. So that was just a shit show. Redfield wouldn't back off of his comment. Trump called it fake news. He shut down the reporters asking about it. And then Burke said, we'll be ready if it maybe possibly potentially comes back. And then Trump added, if it does come back, it won't come back in the way that it was. It will come back in smaller doses we can contain. Uh, he said what Redfield was saying is if it comes back with the flu, but from everything I've seen, it can't be anything like what we've just went through. From everything he's seen, it can't be like what we've just went through. All of these pandemics he's been through, he, he, what he's seen, it won't be what we've gone through in the spring. At which point, Burks left the stage, just exit stage left. So Trump is promising we will not go through what we've gone through. Someone asked him, how can you know it won't come back worse than before? To which Trump answered, it may not come back at all. And if it does come back, it's not going to come back. And I've spoken to like 10 different people, and it's not going to be like it was. 10 different people. People. I hate the way he says people. So Trump is telling America, it's not going to come back in the fall. Don't worry about it. If it comes back at all, it won't even be in. It'll be in small doses and we'll contain it because we know how to wash our hands now. No one ever heard of washing hands but every 15 minutes. No one even knew what that meant. He actually said that yesterday. No one knew what that meant, wash your hands every 15 minutes. But now we know. And we have three months to prepare. So absolutely ridiculous. And from the Washington Post, according to health officials in California, at least two people who died early and in mid-February had contracted the novel coronavirus and died from it. That's weeks earlier than previously thought. And both patients hadn't traveled, so it was contracted from community spread, according to health officials. Initially, uh, the nation's earliest COVID fatality was thought to have occurred February 29th in Kirkland, Washington, and then one in March. And in March, health officials then linked the two February 26th deaths to COVID. And these earlier deaths now, the ones that are in early and mid-February, could mean COVID-19 may have been misdiagnosed in many people earlier this year, being mistaken for pneumonia or the flu. And also modeling, like the model that said, you know, we would be at 100,000 deaths by August. It was adjusted down to 60,000 deaths by August, but we just had an update. It's been upped to 66,000 deaths by August, what Trump calls a win. 
Models like these rely heavily on the start date of an outbreak. If a date gets pushed back, models have to be redone. They have to be reviewed. It could increase the number of people believed to be infected right now. So this is a big deal. And we'll be right back after this to discuss additional comments on the Senate intelligence reports by Ron Wyden and the new whistleblower with Natasha Bertrand. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Molecule. Did you know over 80% of people living in urban areas are exposed to air quality below World Health Organization standards? According to the EPA, indoor air can be up to five times worse. And most of us spend 90% of our time indoors. Now, it's like 100%. And Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with their air purifier. Today's predominant air purification technology is the HEPA filter. That has not been updated for 70 years. HEPA filters try to grab large pollutants, but have no effect on gaseous pollutants, uh, while mold, spores, and viruses can remain viable on the surface of the HEPA filter. But Molecule has a completely new and reinvented air purification system. Their core technology was developed to destroy indoor air pollutants at a molecular level, removing them from the air that you breathe. Developed over 20 years by the director of the Clean Energy Research Center at University of South Florida, Molecule's patented filtration flirtation system, hey Molecule, their patented filtration system and proprietary photoelectrochemical oxidation technology can break down pollutants to their basic harmless components. Molecule eliminates the bacteria, mold, viruses, and the most microscopic of pollutants, volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, many of which are known carcinogens that can, you know, concentrate in indoor air and negatively affect our health. Since Molecule launched. Uh, We've heard hundreds of stories from parents, pet lovers, and severe allergy and asthma sufferers about how Molecule technology has transformed their lives. One customer even said she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Many report feeling energized after getting the best night's sleep they've ever had. For 10% off your first air purifier order, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and check out, enter at checkout, enter Daily Beans. That's 10% off at Molecule.com and use promo code Daily Beans at checkout. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today for the interview is Politico National Security Correspondent and MSNBC contributor Natasha Bertrand. And Natasha, thank you for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So... So I've been studying and parsing this recent report released by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, um, which I'd like to remind everyone is still chaired by Republican Richard Burr. (laughs) Uh, And I've spoken to this week already, I've spoken to David Priest about it and Frank Fogluzzi about it. And that was mostly about the body of the report as it pertains to, you know, the proper predication for opening the Russia investigation, etc., But then I got to the end, you know, I just I didn't get to the end until recently. And there are these comments by Senator Wyden, additional remarks, uh, and a couple things. A couple things struck me, and I wanted to ask you because I know you tweeted about this. Um, he wants us to understand that the report doesn't only support the intelligence community assessment that Russia interfered in our elections to help Trump in 2016, but he says Wyden here says it also debunks Trump's false assertions about Ukraine. How does this report do that? Yeah. So uh, one of Trump's conspiracy theories since he was elected, really, has been that the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, was actually hacked by the Ukrainians. And it has something to do with the proof has something to do with the DNC server being in Ukraine and CrowdStrike being owned by a Ukrainian, which is not true. And just all of this kind of nonsense that his own advisors tried to wave him off of pretty early on. Um in his presidency, but that really just stuck with him, probably because he had Vladimir Putin in his ear telling him 
um, that Ukraine and not Russia was responsible for hacking the DNC and releasing all of those emails in 2016. So what this report, what the Sissy report does that came out this week is it definitively says that the assessment the intelligence community made in 2017 about Russia's election interference was fundamentally correct, that it was the Russians who hacked the DNC. And it doesn't say that in so many words. What it says is that, because a lot of this report is blacked out, what it says is that they found these judgments to be analytically sound and that there was an appropriate amount of um, uh, you know, analysis and um, good sourcing that went into this determination, including the attribution to the Russians. Um, the Basically, the entire section is redacted, um, including sections on Putin's motivation. But what we do then is we go back to the ICA, the Intelligence Community Assessment, and we see what they said about, of course, the, the hack on the DNC. And what they say is that they can attribute the cyber attacks on these political organizations, which, of course, was the Democrats in 2016, to Russia. And so, you know, you go back to the SISI report, they say they find that to be sound. You're basically debunking the president's conspiracy theories about Ukraine. Mm, Yeah, and I can't help but wonder what's under those redacted portions of Putin's role and Putin's goals in this, and if it has to do with putting the blame on Ukraine. I mean, you know, we can sit here and guess what's under those forever. But um, it's just I thought it was very, very fascinating that Ron Wyden just put this at the end of the report, like, hey, I just have some a couple things (laughs) that I want to point out. I mean, I think, you know, we were told that um, by Senator King, that what's under the redactions is primarily predominantly like 99.9% having to do with um, sourcing. So for Putin's motivations and role, for example, it most likely has to do with the person inside the Kremlin that the U.S. government has been running as a source, um, because that's really the only way that you could get it at Putin's, I mean, short of intercepts. I mean, having someone near Putin in his inner circle, hearing him express his, you know, preferred candidate um, is really one of the only ways you can get a definitive read on on his motivations. So that that would be my guess is it's just sources and method stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we did have that guy um, that was eventually pulled out uh, like a deep Kremlin spy that uh, had to come back. Um, Exactly. Could be him, could be somebody we've never heard of. But yeah, that's that definitely all has to remain redacted. Um, But it's just it's absolutely fascinating. And then and then and then this just freaks me out. It goes on to say and I haven't heard this come up in a while with regards to the Russian interference. Um, He says he's concerned about uh, Department of Homeland Security and the intelligence community's assessments, lack of commentary on the vote tally manipulation. What is that? What is he referring to? Yeah. So I think what he means is that he, they, there wasn't enough kind of investigation or really any kind of investigation done into whether there was, you know, any, there was no forensic investigation done, right? So there were intelligence gaps and there were caveats that were not included in the public version of the ICA. And that, of course, is alarming because the IC and administration officials have been saying for years now that there is no evidence that any votes were changed and that, of course, kind of conveyed a sense of certainty. Um, to the American public that, you know, they could have confidence when they went to the voting booth. But what Ron Wyden is saying 
is that there were serious gaps um, in DHS's assessment. And this, to my knowledge, and you pointed this out earlier, is seems like it's the first time that a lawmaker has come out and actually, you know, called DHS out on this. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important to go back and recall that it's always been there's no evidence for this. We haven't seen evidence of it. It's never been, you know, this is definitively not what happened. Um, so I think it's an ongoing saga um, with regard to the actual vote counts. But the election infrastructure, to my knowledge, has, has you know, improved a bit since 2016, but it really hasn't improved as much as it needs to. Yeah, I know. And he brings up, you know, paper ballots, handmarked paper ballots, something that's auditable, a paper trail, um, some things that people are obviously concerned about. And and it's not even like um, that there's no evidence. It's that they didn't even look into it. And uh, because this Mueller said this in his report, at least from his vantage point with his investigation, he's like, I can't tell you if votes if the vote count was manipulated because I did not even investigate that. And so, and of course, you know, the, the, there's going to be certain people who take that to mean the votes were not manipulated, but here's Ron Wyden saying, ah, we don't know if they were, and we need to know these kinds of things. And I want to bring that to everyone's attention. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Bananas. Um, (laughs) what a, what a interesting timing to, you know, with the whole release bars release or the, I'm sorry, Rick Grinnell's release of the, uh, DOJ IG's footnotes and and it's yeah yeah I mean I think there's a reason why those have been selectively leaked to friendly journalists um of course of course that's the most I'll say about that it it was like the selective leaks of the struck page text you know in the middle of the night from the Department of Justice but don't say where you got them right exactly yeah I mean I, I don't think anything is a coincidence these days right so no, it can't. It really can't be. Um, and now this um, uh, last minute thing I, I wanted to ask you about, just because of your, I know your background, this uh, Rick Bright, this doctor, um, totally off subject here, but this doctor who is now like a live action whistleblower um, coming out of uh, a federal health agency working on a vaccine saying I was taken out of my job because I was pushing back against hydroxychloroquine. Uh, and I th- just find that absolutely, absolutely fascinating that we have a, like a, a live real time whistleblower that didn't get punted by some DNI or pushed aside by the D- Department of Justice. So I, I think this is going to be a fascinating story. Yeah, this is going to be a big fight, um, especially because, I mean, he hired the same lawyers that represented Christine Blasey Ford. He is clearly going very big on this. Like he leaked the statement first to the New York Times, to Maggie Hamer at the New York Times to, you know, ensure maximum exposure. Um, so he's going all out. I mean, when he was fired a few days ago, we or when he was sorry, when he was reassigned a few days ago we all thought that was very very weird it was very abrupt um and you know our health folks just said that it just didn't smell right um so it makes sense now that the truth is coming out um but it just goes to show that like you know this administration will will do virtually anything to make sure that trump looks good um and that he is above all else you know seen as seen as correct and seen as doing what's right in this situation. So even at the expense of actual expertise. So it's it's going to be a, an interesting uh, storyline to follow. Just a personal question, not personal, but personally, what, what did, why do you think Trump pushed hydroxychloroquine so hard? I, I, it doesn't seem like it's a profitable drug. Do you think it was just to 
some a way to get reelected? Like, what was his motive? You know, it's possible that he there are a couple of things that could be possible. The first is that he had Rudy Giuliani in his ear um, constantly, who has been pushing this for you know weeks and weeks, if not months, as a potential cure. Rudy Giuliani is someone who's extremely influential, um, who Trump you know really respects. And he has been talking to the president for a long time about this. So that's one thing is like Trump has a tendency to just do and say whoever, you know, whatever was last in his ear from whoever. Mm. Um, But another, yeah, another possibility is the more cynical one, um, which is that he just wanted a cure and quick. um, And he thought that it might speed things up and reopen the economy, which of course he needs um, to, to potentially get reelected. So there, there are a couple of, of reasons, you know, the, the New York times floated the possibility of course, that he has some stock and some companies that may benefit from it, but it doesn't seem like it, it's enough money to actually really make a difference for him. Um, but you know, cronyism and all of that, you really can't, uh, you can't write it off. Yeah, no. And, and maybe not an actual cure, uh, but maybe a, you know, a figurative cure that can't be disproven, you know, <laughs> not kind of that kind of shit. Who knows? I assume someday somebody will dig it up and we'll figure it out. Well, thank you so much, uh, everybody. Thank you um, for listening. National Security Correspondent for Politico, Natasha Bertrand. Thank you again for speaking to me. Thank you. All right, everybody, coming up next is the Good News Block. You don't want to miss it today. We all need it. So stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Raycon. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness... Uh, You want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what your roommates, neighbors, and kids are listening to. And everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, just please check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. That's R-A-Y-C-O-N. Their earbuds started about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, the best ones yet. They have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, Really, really enriched bass, really just good full sound, and and they're a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. See, you know, it doesn't like you don't hear your, your footsteps when <laughs> when you're running. Uh, Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, um, perfect for conference calls and Zoom calls, or you know, binging podcasts. Hello. I love my Raycon wireless earbuds. They're super comfy. And since I'm always misplacing my earbuds, I bought a couple pairs since they're so affordable. Unlike some other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are stylish and discreet. They don't have the dangling wires or the little stems that make you look like my favorite Martian, um, like Rudy Giuliani on the subway. The sound is so clear. Celebrities like Melissa Etheridge and Snoop Dogg rave about their Raycon. So pick up a pair. See what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash dailybeans. That's B-U-Y, buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, dot com slash dailybeans for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thanks again for joining us today. And now you've stuck around for it. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And of course, joining us for the good news block, as always, is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you? Hello. I am doing well today on this fine Earth Day, isn't it? Yeah, what is it, Wednesday? I forget. <laughs> yes, it's just a Wednesday after all. Um, <laughs> Yes, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday. Uh I'm doing I'm doing well. I have been exercising and I think I tore both calf muscles and I have not been 
walking easily the last two days, so I oh, God. can walk today, <laughs> which is good. Dude, you and me both, I dislocated my knee the oh, other day. God. Was it yesterday or the day before? Yeah, I, 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 I squatted down to get like the dog food. I wasn't even exercising. I was getting the dog dish to give her food, and I stood up, and my knee was out of its socket when oh, I stood up. Fuck. And, and as I stood up, it got further out of the socket. And sort of bent sideways, and so I had to kick my leg really hard to pop it back in. Ugh. And uh, I went on Twitter for medical advice, as one does, uh, mm-hmm. and that was a mistake. But uh, I decided on a course of ibuprofen, icing it every 20 minutes, elevating it, and then before I went to bed, I wrapped it up in, um, I put a bunch of CBD Tiger Balm on it. Oh, nice. And then wrapped it up with a with a nice secure bandage, like a good compression uh, bandage, and then uh, had some wine, and then fell asleep. And then it was it was it was much better the next day, which I think was today, or oh maybe could have been yesterday. Oh, so I yeah, I'm feeling you. You tore your calf muscles. Ugh, it's terrible. Yeah, I I mean I say tore being dramatic, but um, but yes, I I definitely did. I did an exercise for far too long, and I was like. My legs feel like they're seizing up. Why is this? I'll just keep going. And then I and then I kept going and then I woke up the next morning like, fuck. I felt, you know, this is a bleak thing, but you know when like German shepherds have their that thing when they get older and their Achilles kind of get like all floppy and they're, they're just like, uh, yeah, they're just kind of like flopping their feet around basically, just, just like trying to get around as best as they can. That's essentially me in my apartment, but on a, but on two legs. I'm fine. Oh, that sounds... That sounds terrible. Yes, um, it is a total privilege problem, and I'm doing great, is the short answer to your question. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. These are the things I have the ability to complain about. But but yes, we have so much good, good, good news from all of our listeners, and we have a lot of funny quarantine confessions today, too. So uh, do you want me to pop into it, or did you have some of your own good news first? Uh, my only good news was that my treadmill got delivered, and uh, it's been assembled, and uh, now I need to wait for my knee to calm down before I use it, but um, oh. it's here, and so I'm excited about about being able to do that again, because I haven't, I haven't been running in, in a couple weeks, you know? Yeah, be careful. Are you looking up, like, knee PT exercises and stuff? Yeah, and you know I do a lot of stretching and yoga yeah. stuff, and and that that I think I feel like if I have if I hadn't been doing yoga, if I hadn't you know had that sort of background, this could have been a lot worse. I feel like because totally. I've got like good mus mus muscle structure around the area that that helped with the healing. But um, man, um, the treadmill's f- fucking big, dude. <laughs> 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 it's not it's all not mid-century modern either duck. she can figure it out i'm sure uh she could help you she could just walk on her i couldn't find legs. a <laughs> i couldn't find a mid-century modern treadmill i couldn't find a treadmill from the 60s so it doesn't fit the decor yeah and it's huge but that'd but be hey, amazing what would that um, look like I'm, just like a martini holder on one side and like the long cigarette stick on the left just <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, probably one of those belts that just shakes you when you stand there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. like it comes with a hat that has a fishing pole with a twinkie at the end of it. Just all Yes, of- and you and you wear and you wear your kitchen dress with your apron while you're on it. And heels. <laughs> it is it is a heel yeah. hole resistant treadmill belt. <laughs> 
That's amazing. Uh, but that's my only good news. So now let's hear what our listeners have to say. I need the good news boost today. So let, yeah, dive in. Let's hear it. All right. So first from Corey. Corey says, my boss called me today to tell me how happy he is with the work I'm doing and how satisfied he is with hiring me. Also, I sold all of my turnips for over 3.5 million bells today in Animal Crossing. Woohoo! What the fuck? I can't get my bell price above 69 bells. Interesting number. I know. What's, I, again, I'm unfamiliar with the concept. So bells is the currency in the Animal Crossing land, I imagine. Yeah, bells like a dollar, right? Okay. Bells. And you can play the stock market, the S-T-A-L-K market, (laughs) by buying, (laughs) by buying turnips from Sal Jones. J-O-A-N, Sal Jones. She's a pig named Jones. So Sal Jones, instead of Dow Jones, you can play the stalk (laughs) market by buying her turnips. And so you buy them for like 90 bells a piece or whatever, and you have to buy them 10 at a time. Uh, and then you go and you, you go to the store every day and ask what the price is for turnips. And if, if it's above, if it's well above what you paid for them, you know, sell your turnips, man. That's but so you can only, but they only last a week. So if, if the price just keeps going down, you know, you're fucked. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose your ass in Sal Jones stock market. Interesting. How has COVID affected the Animal Crossing economy yet? Or is it more or less unfazed? The only difference is uh, there's no social distancing rules, but there are uh, face masks available for sale in Nook's Cranny, your store, <laughs> where you can buy things. Even though there's no pandemic, you can just choose to wear one just to feel some kind of moral mm-hmm. consistency in your own life. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited to get the game. I set up my Nintendo Switch that one of our listeners gave me out of the huge amount of kindness in their heart. And I have... Uh, Crash Bandicoot, the trilogy of games mm. I grew up playing, which is very exciting, and then Mario Kart 8, which mm. is pretty sick. Mario Kart's good. Yes. Uh, okay, so I got to get Animal Crossing next. That's my point. All right. <clears throat> next up from Nikki, more Animal Crossing news. We purchased Animal Crossing for my son's recent birthday. After hearing about this game on this podcast and other outlets, it has raised my curiosity to play it myself. My husband and I are both working and schooling from home, and I have enjoyed playing this game so much that when I am done with my work for the day, I kick my kids off whatever game they are playing so I can make my (laughs) island a five-star island. (laughs) It has been a long, long time (laughs) that I have looked forward to playing a video game that doesn't have any kind of violence and brings me this much joy. I limit my news watching after I play so I can have my good feels vibe when I start my nightly routine with my family. Yeah, see, it's. I love that you just kick your kids off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's awesome. All right, Dad's turn. Everybody out. Yeah. Oh, I love that. God, this game is changing the nation, isn't it? The world. Uh, okay. Next from Brianne. Good news and a confession. I've been stress ordering comfort items for myself that I've always felt guilty for spending money on, like extra books, puzzles, bath bombs cute mugs, little home luxuries, etc. I justify it by ordering my favorite local small businesses. I think I'm doing my part to help the local economy, right? Right. I say absolutely. That is That is correct. F- fantastic. I got to find uh, I've always I've always, I wish there was a sort of phone book just for small businesses in like each city so you could just flip through and and just source all of your stuff from local businesses. That would be so nice. I usually go to the specifically the there's a San Diego LGBTQ plus uh, business chamber of commerce. Mm-hmm. And 
that's all locally owned mom and pop uh, businesses owned by uh, uh, folks, e- either folks in or allies of the LGBTQ plus community. I like to I like to lend my support to them. So if I, that's where I go. Uh, and then also there is a Black Business Bureau of Commerce in uh, San Diego as well as a Latino one. So I, I generally mm-hmm. tend to search for what I'm looking for in, in in those first. And then if I can, I'll look at whatever mom and pop shops I can find. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe some um, Etsy creators or um, folks who do small businesses through Amazon fulfillment. Um, and, you know, just, just shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, I think... Uh... I remember when I worked in the small business office at UCSD, there was a, we did some work with that LGBTQ group because they were just starting to recognize that label as one that can essentially get you uh, points with the federal government in terms of, or I should say state government. I think it was the state of California mm-hmm. that was going to start having, yeah, LGBTQ procurement requirements which was really cool. And I wonder what the status of that is now. I hope that it's well on its way to being a requirement. But um, but yeah, there's tons of... And there's like veteran-owned ones too, I know. Uh, VOSB, and right? I think that's veteran-owned small business. Like there's a group like that. Yeah, I, and here's, here's the sad part. I own a small business and I'm a veteran and I, I'm not part of that. I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, they have... Um, I, we always used to go to their conferences to like present and stuff and and um they always had amazing resources and it was a really cool community uh anyways great news uh thank you i love that help in local economies next up from philip this past weekend my wife and i had our annual polish feast drive through style we cooked enough food for 24 friends and had them come by to pick up their food in half hour intervals so we could sit on our porch swing and sit on our porch swing and catch up with them from a safe distance that's fun what an amazing idea yeah like a drive-by dinner party that is so fun i just imagine you throwing polish sausages into their window at high speeds (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody open up (laughs) (laughs) hucking them And then they fly through the air and make that whoosh, 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 yes. like a helicopter sound. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. I can imagine it. <laughs> I love that. That's so fun. Uh, next up from Haiting. I'm an opera and classical singer in New York City and totally out of work, obviously. The good news is some friends have created a new opera specifically to be performed live on Zoom. Basically, they've invented and mastered an entire genre since the start of quarantine. I'm performing in it this weekend. If you want to check it out, find it on Facebook. It's called All Decisions Will Be Made by Consensus, which is also the title of the opera. It's weird, wonderful, and under 15 minutes. Yay! Awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. What a great idea. Hell yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. I want to check that out. All decisions will be made by consensus. That's what it's called. Okay. Finally, from Heather, here's a good news story for you. In mid-February, before most of us knew what was coming with this COVID thing, my daughter talked me into adopting a dog from the pound. I was a little apprehensive at first because I'm not necessarily the best kind of dog owner, but she called me at work one afternoon and told me I needed to come to the pound ASAP to meet this dog. It was a fully grown Anatolian shepherd mix. We finally were able Mm. to take her to the vet last week, and we were all shocked to learn that she weighed in at 93 pounds. That's a big-ass dog, guys. When we first (laughs) brought her home... (laughs) When we first brought her home... 
We could see the trauma this dog had been through. Unfortunately, the pound didn't know much of her story other than that someone had adopted her and returned her because they didn't make a guard dog out of her, or they couldn't make a guard dog out of her. In the beginning, she seemed scared of everything. She would cower just because I stood up too fast or because I set something down on the table with a clunk. I would give her a treat and she would swipe it and run and hide, as if she was in trouble for taking it. It took a week before she let out a single bark, but now, two months later, it's amazing to see the transformation this dog has gone through after living in a kind and calm home where she knows she is loved. I realized early on in the quarantine that my Zoom meetings gave her anxiety, so I started making sure I had a good supply of rawhide bones on hand. I'm pretty sure she has come to associate my boss's voice with a rawhide bone now because she has gone from cowering uh, because I gave her a treat to now strutting around the living room as if that rawhide bone in her mouth is a badge of honor. That means she is the best dog ever. And she is. I may be an unconfident dog owner sometimes, but I'm pretty sure she is the perfect dog for her perfect home with us. Aww. Oh, man. <sighs> you got to call your you got to call your boss, Mr. Pavlov from now on. Hey, Mr. Pavlov. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet there's so many cool stories of everybody adopting dogs right now and cats and other animals and that is really cool big hearts 93 pounds yeah Holy that's massive huh? that's like almost nine scaramoochies <laughs> do we know how much he weighs now <laughs> no i don't know <laughs> i don't know i was just i felt like throwing a scaramoochie in as a measure unit of measurement today nine scaramoochies that'd be amazing if he only weighed 10 pounds if all of his camera appearances right. have just been perspective shots. Right. Well, I figured <laughs> since since 11 days is a Scaramucci, that 11 pounds is a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Heather. Okay. Now we're on to quarantine confessions. Woohoo. We don't have a sound bite for that yet, right? This is just, we're just going right into it. I know. I feel like we needed one, like quarantine, 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 confessions, confessions, confessions. Yes. Or like we need some sort Ooh. of uh, about- a churchy organ yes. music. Yes. I was just gonna say we can have some kind of like oh whatever. Like how do you, how do you, I can't I can't harmonize on my own here, obviously. Uh, but something like like <laughs> hymns, hymns. How do you say that? Hymns. Is that a is that a Catholic thing? Catholic hymns. Hymns. Like yes. hers, hymns. Yes, mm-hmm. precisely. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Or, or what's the? Mm. <laughs> what? I'm thinking of like some, some like '90s. There's like some song that has that music in the background with like this like sexy like dun, dun, sh, dun, dun, sh, like beat. Do you know what song I'm talking about? <laughs> it's for a fun. I'll figure it no. out. Oh, it's- oh, you're talking about Enigma. Yes, <laughs> you're talking about the Gregorian chant. Sad, Yes, no, something like that. We could do Gregorian chant, or we could do, even do Eddie Izzard when he sings a hymn. He's like, "Oh God, I know from ages past, I hope for years." Yeah, we could we could do any clips. You know, I'll work on that. I'll, okay. I'll figure out a good, ca- uh, you know, I grew up Catholic. I'll find a clip. Okay, perfect. I'm counting on you. So you didn't go to Catholic school for nothing. It was all for this moment. It finally won't be in vain. <laughs> <laughs> My um, knuckles bled for you. <laughs> I hope not. My God. <laughs> Dona Eis Requiem. 
right. Moving right into it. Quarantine confessions. First up from Amber. Amber says, Today is the first day in about a month of quarantine that I actually sent the good morning message to my coworkers while I wasn't still in bed under the blankets. And bonus, I even showered before I started work. Woohoo! That's fantastic. I love that. That's like a nice hindsight confession. That's a that's a confession ah. wrapped up in a good news. That's um, I like it. I like it too. Yes, I think everybody's working from bed. If they're, it's so deserved. Everybody deserves to work in bed so fucking hard. You've been worked to the bone by this capitalist society forever. Take your fucking shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next from anonymous. Uh, A couple of weeks into quarantine, I ran out of shampoo, so I shaved my head. At the same time, I stopped shaving my legs. I went for a walk the other day and really enjoyed the sun on my scalp and the spring breeze blowing through my leg hair. And to be honest, I'm thoroughly enjoying the new look, not only because of the economic benefits and convenience, but secretly also as an F you to my boyfriend, who decided to let the Xbox homeschool his kids and not help with mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Dude. Hell yeah. From Anonymous. I was going to say, are there pictures? But probably not if it's Anonymous. Um, I love that. Fuck yeah. I I saw another person who shaved their head and it looks dope. It looks so cool. Yeah. And feels... there's it feels so nice have you ever i used to uh in college i like shaved half of my head when that was in and it it used to feel so nice when it's like growing back in and your head's all fuzzy it's the best Mm Mhm. it's all super soft yeah yes okay next from bronwyn i write to you from sydney australia and due to this worldwide apocalypse i lost my job a month ago so i have decided to wholeheartedly throw my technical and business skills into my puppy chewbacca's instagram profile Quarantine has made me become one of those people. Sorry, not sorry. P.S. You can follow him at Chewbacca underscore the underscore Labradoodle. He already follows you back. He's very politically minded. Love you guys. You keep me sane and informed. Come to Oz once this is over. I will cook you all dinner. Ooh, let's do it. Oh, heck yeah. I'll do that. Fuck yeah. And they're in Sydney. God, I want to go to Australia so bad. Yeah, me too. Okay, hopefully we can make that work. Thank you for the offer. Thank you for the quarantine confession. Um, And everybody follow Chewbacca underscore the underscore Labradoodle on Instagram. Okay, next up from Lola. Lola, it says, is my nightgown on inside out and also backward? Why, yes, it is. Do I care? Fuck no. Yes. Love that. What is stitching anyway? (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Love it. Finally. Uh, or no, second to last, from Anonymous. In quarantine so far, my wife has baked cakes, Rice Krispie treats, sweet bread, lots of cookies, and accidentally, in quotes, ordered two gallons of chocolate ice cream for curbside pickup. Guys, I think she's prepping me for cannibalism. <laughs> ah, mm, yes, beware. That's so funny. Two gallons of chocolate ice cream. Oh, my God. I just ordered eight boxes of Girl Scout cookies based on our conversation yesterday. And one of the Girl Scout councils in need was West Utah. um, And so I ordered it from that specific one because they uh, they, basically when you go to the website, it it gives you a list of um, Girl Scout councils that need the most assistance. And and you can pick from that list. Cool. That's great. I'm going to open up that tab on my browser right now so I don't forget actually to order some fucking cookies. Uh, okay, and finally, 
we have a quarantine confession from uh i don't i don't know if they want to be anonymous or not this one came through in a twitter dm so i'm just going to keep them anonymous but this person said my local library posted a meme joking about how everyone has memorized their library card member number now because you needed to check out ebooks but they also use your library card number and your last name as the default sign-in you change your password later. So I was reading the replies, and every time a Trump supporter replied with their card number, I put the Mueller report on hold for them, and it is delivered immediately to their e-reader as the library has unlimited copies. I know it's wrong. I was frustrated. <laughs> I love that. First of all, first of all, Trump supporters go into libraries. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I, I do feel like this is a nice alternative to going and stealing Trump yard signs, which is what my drunken self has done in my acts of protest. And this is much more productive. At least people mm, learn things yes. this way. You're not trespassing <laughs> with this one. Yeah. Yeah. What if like, what if, what if she did that or he, I'm not sure. Sorry, uh, who, who this person was. But what if they photoshopped by reagan onto it do you think that would make a difference do you think <laughs> the Mueller report written by the Mueller report by, by Ron, ronald reagan by, by ronald reagan Mueller. <laughs> i bet i bet that would i swear to god if you change that people there's a decent chunk of people that would pick it up and read it that'd be amazing just throw in a couple like reaganisms in there you know more or less as long as you get the point across is really all that matters no one's mm. gonna fact check any of it really the part about ronald reagan writing it at least yeah you could put right in the beginning that you know uh the russians uh hacked the election from the shining city on the hill and people would go <laughs> oh yeah that's reagan that's reagan <laughs> yeah there's gonna be there's gonna have to be a lot of gaps in historical knowledge for this to work but uh i have, I have faith. reagan still being alive for one exactly that's yeah that's that, that's the first one i i have faith in the readership though i think they can uh not know things well enough for this to work mm. oh and by the way thank you for all of your confessions i do now have the best uh clip for the segment and so you will have already heard it by the time you're hearing me tell you this, but now you can go, yep, that was that was the best thing that you could have picked, AG. You're absolutely right. So it's going to be great. You'll see. Or you will have seen. You will have seen already. <laughs> what is that? The past present gerund perfect tense? Oh, damn, I don't know. Something that, something that hasn't happened yet, but will happen, yes. but is in the past, but is in the future. Yes. <laughs> right? Will, ha will have... <laughs> so weird yeah especially since we're pre-recording <laughs> <laughs> it adds a whole new uh fucking retronym to it that hasn't been yeah that hasn't even been invented yet what if you pre-record something for the future that hasn't been played yet but it's something in the recording that refers to something in the past in the recording but in the future to when you recorded it what is that uh, <laughs> i don't know that sounds like some star wars shit sure does all right yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go back in time and get some whales to save the planet. I think is what's gonna have to happen. Speaking of on Earth Day, I watched a documentary on uh, Disney Plus. If you have it, that's all about ah fuck, I forget what it's called. I'll have to find it. But it's it's a documentary about uh, 
a woman who's like dedicated her life to sea conservation essentially and like conservation of the coral reefs and sustainable fishing and, and shit like that and basically throughout the course of this documentary they're looking at and convincing um people to essentially expand a protected part of the ocean around hawaii so that it's like did i already talk about this i may have already talked about this I don't remember. Either way, it's basically like creating a national park in the ocean and they wind up being successful at the end and Obama winds up signing it uh, into existence. So that's that, that's a pretty fun Earth Day nature doc if anyone's looking for, for something to watch to celebrate. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it's a, it got a happy ending, too. It does, which is really, really nice. There's a couple happy ending things. Excellent. In it, which is, it's not all just bleak. Well, good. Then, yeah, watch that if you have a chance today. I'll see about looking that up, too. All right. Well, that is the good news and our quarantine confessions. Thank you all for sending them in. You know how to get a hold of us by now and, and send those in to us. And thank you for all of your support and for listening. We really appreciate it. And I, yeah, I just I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Jordan, for joining me. Everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>